listening to Fox Sports Radio. I think we start with Hank Aaron. This is a guy that, you know, if you grew up after Barry Bonds surpassed the record, you probably don't fully understand the significance of Hank Aaron. I think we have to spend a few minutes on it. Yeah, the uh, home run king, many still consider the home run king, Hank Aaron, the legendary Hall of Famer in Major League Baseball, passed away earlier today at the age of 86. Boy, baseball seems to have have a bad run lately with uh, some of the legends. Um, One, I saw this today as I was looking at some of the retrospectives. He played, Hank Aaron played two years in the Negro Leagues. So think about how long this guy's been around and or was around and how he was just in the fabric of baseball. And the fact that, I mean, just think of how important numbers are to baseball. When I grew up in the 80s, understanding that 755 was the Hank Aaron number and the 714 was the Babe Ruth number. That, that Babe Ruth number was so important. It lasted for so long that you knew the second number, the number two guy. And I'm not sure there's many, you know, the only other one maybe I can think of would be 61 and 60. Both of those are gone now with Barry Bonds. And i got to be candid, as a Pirates fan growing up, I was a huge Bonds fan. So much talent. And we saw that, I guess, when a lot of people were cheating, he was the best. Which, you know, it makes it it's such a shame. Because it's one thing, if everyone's cheating, then they're all on an equal playing field. Or almost everyone, or a lot of people. Maybe they're not hurting anyone but themselves. But then when you've got these numbers that matter... It, and it's a shame, and and I don't think anybody thinks that Barry Bonds would have. I mean, he wasn't even a home run hitter. Look at his stats. It, I mean, like he he had some of his prime years. He had like you know, twenty five home runs, Barry Bonds, and then you know, and it was amazing to see it in a way revitalized baseball. But you know, if you think about it. Hank Aaron was in the early 70s when he beat the record. So Ruth was finished in, what, 36 or so, let's say, 37. So about 40 years, a little less than 40 years. Well, if Barry Bonds didn't beat this record, Hank Aaron would have held it for over 40 years. It would Mm -hmm. be almost 50 years now. So the idea that, can you believe that Babe Ruth had the record from 37 and, you know, all the way to whatever, it'd be like, you know, the mid-70s. And it's like, wow. But now we'd be saying, if someone was approaching Hank Aaron, wow, you know he had it since the early 50 years ago? And that was taken away. And to me, that's a shame. But no doubt, he's one of the 10 names that's going to go down in baseball history at the highest threshold. And he never had, like, his best season, McKenzie research. Take a look at Hank Aaron's most, I think he never hit 50. 
If I'm not mistaken, he just kept hitting like 45, 42, 40. so long, became yep. the champ. Yes. 47 was his high. Amazing. Think about that. What was that uh, center fielder from the Baltimore team during the steroid? Brady? Oh, Brady Anderson. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think he hit 50. <laughs> he did. If I remember. Yeah. So I think we know the score, as they say. Jonas, any thoughts? I just, I, to see people's outrage with Bonds breaking the record, it was a couple of things. Number one, Bonds broke the record, and a lot of people feel that, you know, he was cheating in breaking the record. But it also showcased the fact that Hank Aaron was so respected that it was the fact that he passed him that really bothered a lot of people, that it was Hank Aaron who got passed because he was such a respected guy, so well-liked by so many people. I didn't hear a lot of bad words ever said about Hank Aaron, and that just goes to show of, of his reputation off the field as well as on. And obviously, we can't even uh, we can't even guess at some of the struggles that he faced. You know, obviously, there's the yeah. stories about uh, death threats and such around the time of breaking Ruth's record. But I'm talking about before that when he was in, you know, the Jackie Robinson type stuff. Yeah. When you're a, a, a true trailblazer, it can't it can't be easy. And I don't think that many of us can really understand it, but we can respect it. And, and again, when will this? When will 755 be broken? With all the long ball, let's be candid. The 60s and the 70s, it wasn't like some time of like you know live baseballs. I mean, it was like this guy did it during a time that you would say say for sure post steroids era major leagues has more home runs now, but no one's even in the ballpark. Right, you think about it. Yeah. Whatever you want to say about A. Rod and his history, I mean, who is, who today is 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 has a chance to beat this thing? And he might have had that record. He might have had that record for yeah. So Bonds is seven sixty two. I'm talking about Hank Aaron. Is if Hank Aaron, if the record hadn't been broken. Fez was sending me a note. It's our new rule. When he cracks me on air, now he's just going to send a note. So that was good, Steve. You want to you want to role play and act like you were th- and say, you know, actually, it's not seven fifty five, RJ. It's seven sixty two. No, you got it. <laughs> I didn't even know that number. Did you know that number, Jonas? I knew. I thought it was seven sixty seven. That tells you something, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Straight out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at six p.m. Eastern, three p.m. Pacific. On Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We've got the Buccaneers at the Packers and the Bills at the Chiefs. Both lines identical on pregame.com. The home team a three-point favorite. And if you think about it, when home teams are about a two-point favorite because of home field, we're saying these teams are within a point of each other. And like I said, I actually tweeted out, I had over 200 numbers on one sheet of paper (laughs) And I had power ratings. I had, and this was the conclusion, if you look at all these numbers, is I have the fourth quarter numbers we talked about, the DVOA for Football Outsiders, PFF's numbers when it comes to teams, 538's numbers, the Athletic, and Fez representing Vegas. We took an average, and this is the average power rating 
of these teams or ranking. All right, number one, the Buffalo Bills. They average exactly 2.0 as their slot. The next one is 2.2 Green Bay. Then Kansas City is 2.5. So literally, if I read to you like Green Bay's numbers, it's 1, 4, 3, 3, 1, 1. Buffalo, 2, 1, 2, 1, 3, 3. KC, 3, 6, 1, 2, 2, 1. Everyone's like either 1 or 2, and they got one little outlier. Like a, a, one thing's got them as a 5, let's say. And then Tampa, their average is 4.3. So once again, there's three teams that could each be the best, and then Tampa. But to tell you what doesn't matter as much anymore, check this out. Best defense overall, Tampa. It's not even close. They're about the sixth best in the NFL. The next best one is the Bills' 11th best. Okay, best pass defense. Well, let me see. Tampa, number one. Buffalo, number two amongst these four teams. Rush defense, let me see. Oh, number one in the entire NFL, Tampa. Number two, let me see, Green Bay. So wait, Tampa's got the best defense overall, the best rush defense in the whole league, and the best pass defense amongst these teams, and they're clearly the fourth, <laughs> wor- the fourth best, the worst team. And their offense is pretty good. Yeah. But you think about it, here's the offensive ratings, and now we know what's important. Green Bay, one. Buffalo, two. Or check that, Kansas City, two. Buffalo, three. Tampa, six. So think about this. If Tampa was four, they'd be right in sequence. There are a couple slots above that on offense, worse than that. And they're clearly the worst team based on the numbers, even though they're clearly the best defensive team. So to be just a smidge behind offensively is bigger than being way ahead defensively. I mean, that's shocking, Fez. Yeah, good offense. The feeling is that good defense can't stop good offense anymore, and that's a real change in the NFL, even just during the past five years. Yeah, but I would make the case it's a you're right, but the change has happened even more in the last two years. Where I would make the case Mahomes has been at the forefront. All the fourth down, you know, let's give Peterson credit, unemployed Peterson, for, you know, going for it so much on fourth down. Because if you're going for it on fourth a lot, you're effectively making the defense less important. Because you're trying to keep your defense off the field. And you're saying, hey, if we kick it and and gain 40 yards, it doesn't matter. The other team's probably going to score anyway, so we better keep the ball. So it feels like this is all compounding on itself, where the rules are changing, quarterbacks are getting even better, and everyone's going for it. Defense, you got to wonder in the NFL draft, why, who's taking a defensive play? I mean, the Steelers had one of the, think about the best defenses Steelers out in the first round, Bears. Probably not so much later in the year, out in the first round. Rams, out in the first round. Saints, out in the second round. But all the best offenses are still here. Yeah, that's that's fascinating because I know in the draft there's always a prop whether it be more offensive or defensive players taken. You think, wow, the offense every year should have more in the first round, right? No, at least lately I think you're right. Jonas, what do you think about the – do you see the last year or two being a real – 
uh, jump in regards to the offense's dominance over the defense and importance? Yeah, I mean, we all look at the two guys who, when they speak and talk about the state of football or they have an idea, you listen. And it's Bill Belichick in the NFL and it's Nick Saban in college football. And when Nick Saban, who's a defensive guy, comes out, and we've talked about this on the show before, when he comes out this season and says, the reality is good defense doesn't beat good offense anymore. And that's coming from a defensive guy who's cut his teeth at every level on the defensive side of the ball, who's built up Alabama as a defensive juggernaut with all that all that talent on that side of the ball. For him to acknowledge and admit that this year told me a lot about where we are in the sport. And also, though, I think a heck of a testament to him that he was able to evolve, as we've yeah. talked about. Yep. So finishing up on Green Bay, Fez, is the weather. What's your thoughts? Yeah, Tampa Bay has not played in real cold all year long. Now, the temperature is going to be a little bit below 30 for this game. The coldest Tampa Bay has played all year, two games at 40 degrees. I think that's a factor. No, I think it's a big factor. And actually, I heard on a podcast, there's an academic paper from a PhD dissertation that was out, I think, early 2000s that looked at the... Average temperature in the city of departure, so for the road team's home city, that week, and if it's a certain amount, I think it's 30 degrees, I'm going to read the paper this weekend, if it's 30 degrees, the team, the home team wins against the spread about 55% of the time, mm. which actually backs you up, where I was thinking, if it's 40, I don't care if it's 80 somewhere else, I'm going to read the paper, but I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know, when you, when, got it, when you get it right, I'm going to give you credit. I'm not sure yet, but I, what I know for sure is, well, let me ask you this, a lot of listeners are thinking, well, Tom Brady's used to the cold. Do you think Brady plays better in the cold because of his experience in New England? Did his blood thin? And how big do you think that is compared to the other players on the team not being used to it? I think the other players are the key. I'm not so worried about Tom Brady having one year where his blood thinned out. But let's be clear. When you move to Vegas, your blood thins out pretty quick. No doubt. All right. When you go back east, it's cold. Now, when they come out here in the July, and it's, oh, it's 115. It's like, toughen up. It's a dry heat. <laughs> now, it strikes me, the last big factor in this game, and we'll give our pick before the break, the last big factor in the Green Bay-Tampa game is this is a third straight road game for Tampa. Yeah, and so in the playoffs, historically, this hasn't been good when teams have to play a road game in the playoffs, and the last two games were on the road 13 and 19 against the spread. That's 41%. Small sample, but it makes sense. Now, let's raise the stakes just a little bit. When a team, and this is Tampa's situation, has three straight road games, and all of them are in the playoffs, at Washington, at New Orleans, and here we are, there's only been 11 instances of that. Home team is 7 and 4 in those games. So the road team 4 and 7. So with your one 41%, that trend 36%, another disadvantage for Tampa. And then I guess the final thought would be Brady didn't play that well last week. I mean, Colin came on, everyone was celebrating and I think rightfully so. It's amazing. 
didn't really play that well. But he's played really well, Brady, since the bye. Are you, are you that con- – I mean, I would say maybe one of his best games was against Washington. So are you that concerned about a, a lesser performance from Brady? I am not because he did face a really good defense in New Orleans. So I'm going to give him a pass for not being at his very best. All right, so we got two picks we've already made. We gave over 41. 51. Oh, check that. 51, thank you. And 41, I like even better. <laughs> yeah. And we said Green Bay first half minus two and a half. Personally, I think we make it Green Bay first half because we still are getting, there's still a bunch of two and a halves out there. Yes. And that's a key number. Coming off of 51 is a key number. I still like it, but I like Green Bay first half more. I agree. I think that that's the best bet. All right. So after a three and one week, Green Bay first half is our first pick this week. Jonas, what do you think? Uh, I like uh, the under, and I like Tampa Bay. <laughs> so you, so you've got to. When feel are good you gonna? That. When are you gonna start betting with me, dude? <laughs> I just, I want no part of that. I promise I, I, I won't take more than your check in any. I mean, like we'll we'll cap it. <laughs> here, here's the problem. I'm traumatized because I remember when you used to beat Fez, and you would show a picture of all the money stacked up on the desk that he would owe you. And I just, for whatever reason, I can't get that image out of my head. It's just imprinted there, and I don't. Want I can't, it gets me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. RJ, we've talked a lot about the NFC, the Bucks at the Packers. Now it's time to move to the AFC Championship game. Bills at the Chiefs, and right now on pregame.com, KC a three-point favorite. Fez has helped me really see how clearly there's value in this game. So the line is three, and Fez, do you feel it moving to three and a half? I do. So right now, if you said three point what, what would it be? Three point two. All right, so it's about halfway, a little less than halfway to three and a half. Yes. Okay. That means Kansas City is, by the market, being determined to be clearly better than Buffalo. Home field is one and a half, maybe, for Kansas City. Two at the most, at the most. This line's three and a little bit of big. That means Casey's better. Let's examine that because I don't think it's true. All right. Number one, Fez, tell me if you agree. The best you can say about Kansas City over the course of this season is they played equal on the field. Forget what we thought. Forget last year. On the field this year, the Bills are either slightly better than Casey or equal. Agree or not? Agree. The stats are virtually equal on the two teams. Okay. Now, Kansas City played much better in the first half of the year than the second half of the year. The second half of the year for KC, since the day after Halloween, they haven't covered the spread. Halloween's been a while ago. They haven't covered the spread. 0-8-1 against the spread. And there was only one game they sat their starters against the Chargers. There's a, they're only the fourth team in the last 30 years to not cover one game over the course of nine. Not playoff teams, not Super Bowl contender. Fourth team in 30-plus years. It's Amazing. That futile. On the other hand, Buffalo, since that exact same time, because that was the Hale Murray game, right after that, they haven't lost a game, and literally everyone but one, they won by double digits. So doubles in every game. 
And KC, during that bad streak, they didn't win any game by more than six. So if you start from the day after Halloween, it's unequivocal the Bills have played better in the second half than the first and KC played better in the first than the second. What do you think? I mean, it's so powerful. The Bills win virtually every game by double digits, and Kansas City can't even win by seven. Not a single game during that time. Now, you add in one last factor, Mahomes. I don't know if it's his head, his toe. And what else I've been thinking about with Mahomes is even if he's 100% now, he's not going to want to re-aggravate. Toes get re-aggravated. Mm-hmm. Concussions get reaggravated. I think it makes him a little timid, a little timid running the ball. And maybe he doesn't hold the ball quite as long. If that's the case, even if he's 100% physically, that's a serious effect, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Especially these third down conversions that he's so good at picking up. So to conclude, the line says Kansas City is better. We know at best they were even over the course of the season. Buffalo was better in the second half than the first. Kansas City was worse. And Mahomes is either banged up or going to be a little timid or maybe both. I don't want to take the three when I think it's going to go to three and a half. You got a quick prop. Does it help us here? The pro- no, the, the prop is shortest touchdown. Oh, my gosh. Go ahead. <laughs> Under one and a half. This is a volume game, RJ. Total's 54. Uh, there should be seven touchdowns. You get seven <laughs> touchdowns. You should get right, one right. short touchdown. All right. That's not going to be our best bet. We're going to still just take the bells. Yes. Right. But, but listen, Fez got a point on that one. Jonas is just live. He's got his face oh, covered. Bet that one, Jonas. So say that one more time. Shortest touchdown under one and a half yards. In this game, either team. Okay. What's the VIG on that? Minus 160. You think you might want to mention that? Yes. Okay. Green Bay, first half, minus two and a half is in that game. Here we're going to take the Bills plus three. And listen, we'll grade it at three. But wait if you can, we may see a three and a half. 